they are going to become more brutal. Cody Cup, Indian Cup, dude. Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hare. Hey, Karagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. And as you know, uh, we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, uh, Zoe, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, we're switching it up a little bit tonight, and we got uh, Judge Everett Mitchell on, and he uh, represents uh, out there in Dane County in Wisconsin, and uh, we're really excited to have Judge Everett uh, Mitchell with us, and we have a lot to talk about here in a short time. Welcome to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake. Man, I'm so glad to be here with you, Robert. Thank you so much for having me uh, this evening. I appreciate it. We're really excited, and uh, we have a couple things we definitely want to talk about, but I also want you to be able to to share what you want to talk about, too, and that's kind of the give and take we really try to do here at Native Roots Radio. Um, you are a judge in Dane County, and also you are a minister, too. Yeah, I am, uh, I am a judge in Dane County. I'm the presiding judge over our juvenile division here in Dane County. So I work a lot with our families who lose their children. I also uh, work with young people who get in trouble with the law. Uh, I do civil and family cases. And yes, I'm the senior pastor of Christ of Solid Rock Church here in Madison. So, and I'm also, I also teach at the University of Wisconsin Madison Law School, where I teach two courses. I'm an adjunct professor and I teach two courses on one on race racism and the law. And then I take the second one on juvenile justice administration. Yeah. So, uh, exciting. Uh, what, what do you got cooking now? I know you just went through a, uh, an election and I know we've had, uh, judge Janet on our show here at native roots. And we are always talking about, uh, Wisconsin because one, we have so much coverage in Wisconsin with our show, but it's our sister state in a lot of ways. And, um, and affects what's happening all over Turtle Island, and, and um, there's a big election coming up, Judge. It is huge, uh, and I know every time polit- polit- politicians come on and say this is the most consequential election of a lifetime, but I think anytime you have an opportunity to put justices in the bench or uh, in the seat at the Supreme Court, it becomes consequential because of the laws that they can impact with those decisions. And while most people may not quite understand the impact that those laws can have, I would say that circuit court judges, appellate judges, Supreme Court judges really touch a lot of lives. And it's very important that we have individuals with a level of integrity, commitment to the law, but also just a heart that has a value for people. And that is the kind of uh, desire that I have for our state. And so, uh, yes, every election to me is important. And I'm And I'm really glad that this particular election in Wisconsin is getting so much attention because it allows for us to pay attention to the the nuances of why these things are so important to our communities. Well, uh, the election, last presidential election, Wisconsin Supreme Court judges voted four to three to okay the election. That's how insane things could be in Wisconsin if we we don't uh, uh, appoint and vote the right judges. I totally agree. And so these decisions are going to start coming back to our states, you know, and uh, having, you know, as a Supreme Court has our United States Supreme Court has become more what we call leaning conservative. Those six justices are really starting to push issues back to the states to resolve, you know, whether it is the legislature or the executive branches. And if they can't resolve it, then those, those state courts are becoming the our, in many ways, it's the last line of defense or the battleground between ideological perspectives that need to be resolved at that moment. And these ideologies are always, you know, in some ways to be in seemingly in conflict, but uh, that's why we have, you know, democracy, we have to argue for the best ideas so that those best ideas can, you know, rise to the top. 
Exactly. Um, you know, I, uh, there was a, a Ho-Chunk lady, uh, matter of fact, a judge in Ho-Chunk uh, that ran, Trisha Zunker, who ran for, uh, I believe, a representative or senator in Wisconsin. And it was just so gerrymandered where she was. It was uh, it was really quite startling for, for me for paying attention to what was going on in Wisconsin. And uh, what her opponent was saying was... Uh, Really, uh, and he won was uh, kind of a couple steps out of reality. I thought when I was listening, but he still won and beat her, uh, and she had a really good campaign. What can we do about all the gerrymandering that's happening in Wisconsin, if anything? Well, I think there have been lawsuits that they've tried to put a test together around partisan gerrymandering. That's always been a racial gerrymandering test that the Supreme Court sometimes doesn't always apply equally, but. At least the partisan uh, gerrymandering is one that is still uh, working this way again through the Supreme Court so that we can finally get some kind of direction on whether or not a particular map that is drawn can have such a partisan effect that it really invalidates the ability for people to have their voices heard. And I think this last November was the probably the I won't say it's the first time I was I would say that there was that that became a unified consensus that they were understanding the impact of how you can vote but still lose your voice at the same time you know people may have had that attack communities like milwaukee you know they've been bragging about that attack in milwaukee about limiting the black and brown votes so that they didn't come out and vote in the senate race but that is the same strategy that they then applied statewide and so now a statewide uh, impact was felt this last november because people realized like you said uh, like Miss, you know, Miss Zunker, like she recognized that she had a campaign, she had a powerful voice, but even in that situation, they had structured it such that the voices of those people who would vote for her were in the minority, and the other voice that really is outside of the public public mainstream was the one who won the election. Yeah, it's interesting too. One of our uh, sisters that's been on the show many times, Ruth Buffalo, who's out of. Uh, uh, North Dakota, the same thing happened to her. It was like it was gerrymandered. Her uh, support was right out of her uh, jurisdiction in the next election. And after winning two in a row, she got beat and beat soundly because of uh, the the borders of the voting changed. Yeah, uh, I know it is. It, and it's heart wrenching to 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 really articulate to people how that shift happens, right? To lose your your voice is is something that I think historically, you know, as African-Americans, we paid attention to all the different ways in which the vote is such a precious, precious equalizer of everybody, but yet it has always been under consistent attack. And, you know, you just compound all these very different pieces that happen at the same time from, you know, uh, you know, reproductive choice or wh- whether we're talking about voting rights or we're talking about, you know, the Indian Child Welfare Act, all these different ways in which we're having conversations, you know, generally are impacted uh, by how people vote. And so they've always been under attack. And I think, you know, from a criminal justice side as a judge, I see this evolution of of different ways in which the vote is always being under assault. You know, even by going early in generations, you know, charging 16 year olds with felony charges so that they become a charge as an adult. And even before they even have the right to exercise the vote, they've already lost it. You know, absolutely. You know, I I was a high school teacher and I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. And uh, that's something hopefully we can change soon. Um, You know, we're here with. Judge Everett Mitchell uh, out of Dane County here in Wisconsin, and we're we're just having a nice conversation here. But we're going to take a quick break, Judge, and uh, pay pay some bills here. But uh, we're really excited, and we're going to get going here. And I know you have a hard stop because you have uh, uh, so, uh, something coming up real quick. And uh, I really appreciate you sp- stopping in because it's very important for uh, us to talk to you and about what's happening in our sister state, Wisconsin, and also how it affects the whole country. So we'll be right back with uh, Judge Everett Mitchell, and you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Hey, 
Helgema, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Native American rights are on the ballot April 4th. Vote for Judge Janet Protasewicz. She values Wisconsin's tribes as sovereign nations and recognizes Native rights with fairness and integrity. Judge Janet understands the importance of issues such as missing and murdered Indigenous women, treaty rights, and hunting and gathering. We deserve someone that knows these things matter. In-person early voting begins March 21st. Check your municipality's early voting schedule at vote.wisdoms.org or call the Voter Protection Hotline at 608-336-3232. You can register to vote at the polls on Election Day with a photo ID and proof of residence. Your tribal ID can be used as a photo ID to vote. Stand up for your people. Vote for someone who will stand up for you and stand up for Native rights. Vote for Judge Janet Protasewicz for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Paid for by the Democratic Party of Wisconsin as an in-kind to Janet for Justice. Your Blue Line Extension Project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line Light Rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park, and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by the Native American Community Clinic, honoring health and tradition. Yes, they do. Thanks, Zoe. Hey, we're here with... Uh, Judge Everett Mitchell from Dane County, Wisconsin, and uh, we're talking, we're just having a great conversation here. You know, Judge, uh, one of the things that's really interesting to me in this last cycle, you were you started out the show kind of talking about, uh, you know, we kind of are droning on and on saying this is the most important election. I think the young ones, Gen Z, are really stepping up, and they were, they outnumbered, uh, my generation for the first time in any election, and I, I don't think they're standing for what's going on here in the, the shenanigans that are happening all over, and uh, it's really exciting to see the young ones step it up. Yeah, I'm really excited about the, the youth engagement. I think, you know, it's always interesting is that, you know, these cycles kind of go over and over again. You think about the engagement uh, really started for me seeing young people you know, right at the apex of COVID with the murdering of George Floyd. And yeah. I think the intersections of, you know, George Floyd uh, really erupted all of the different causes, you know, you know, like you mentioned in the promo, uh, the missing of Native women, the disappearing of Native women, the, the ways in which, you know, black and brown bodies are often, you know, forgotten and not appreciated. I think that continues to bring new energy for generations to say, you know what, if we want to see changes, we have to be very proactive in making sure that we're the ones fighting for the change to occur. So I've been very, I've been, I mean, I've been impressed, man. These young people are smart, they're intelligent, they're insightful, asking the right questions, engaging the right issues. And ultimately, I feel more comfortable about our future because they, while they, you know, sometimes we may criticize them for the, being a TikTok generation. <laughs> in many, in many ways, they are able to amass so much knowledge uh, and be exposed to so many things that we can have critical conversations with while they're even younger. So that when they do have that ability to vote or to exercise leadership or run for office, that they're already in tune with not just a local conversation, but a national conversation as well. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing, too, I want to say, too, and Zoe's uh, a Gen Z, and you can jump in in a minute here, Zoe, but uh, 
they don't have the same prejudices as boomers. They see yes. people as people. They, 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 uh, I mean, you can go on and on, Zoe. Uh, you know, we really appreciate your generation. Ho. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots to talk about there. Um, I guess one of my questions for you, Judge Everett Mitchell, is um, what are some of those issues then that, you know, are at the forefront of your campaign? And, and what are some of the issues that you foresee the Wisconsin Supreme Court, you know, coming up against that we have to kind of prepare for and, you know, Help, you know, to help people figure out who to vote for in this upcoming election? Well, obviously, you know, reproductive choice is on the table. And I believe, you know, I always focus on reproductive justice because the terminology encompasses health care in general. Like I think people of color have always struggled with access and our bodies being able to have, you know, quality access to the care we need to take care of ourselves and our communities. And our bodies have always been under attack. We've never been able to have that kind of clear choice about what we want to do with our bodies. So that when people ask me, why is this consequential? I say, well, in Wisconsin, you have black and brown bodies that have always been under assault. And so the idea of choice and being able to make that choice becomes elemental to who we are as a human race. And to lose that, because some people have some affinity toward either a religious perspective or just, you know, they've been ruminating these ideas for so long a generation. It doesn't make sense with our current world. But I also think there are other, other issues that are, you know, what, what are we going to do with our young people? How, of course, going to help our communities that are being overwhelmed with opiates and heroin and meth in our, in our state? How are we going to ensure that young people have a path towards success in education and mental health? which is that to me is a paramount need in our communities. How are we going to ensure that, you know, we, you know, support our native and tribal indigenous communities with the, you know, with the Indian Child Welfare Act, which is cemented in our statute now being under attack at the Supreme Court level. I think all of those questions, right, every big question, affirmative action and education and whether or not, you know, the funding cycles for educational uh, services to being provided are very important. I just came off a meeting the other day where they were talking about it's going to cost $1,250 per, uh, $1, per day to educate a child, to edu- I mean, to incarcerate a juvenile child, $1,000. That's over $450,000 a year. And, and yet when it comes to the daily rate that it will cost to, to uh, the daily rate that it will cost to, you know, just educate a child is like $8,000 a year. So the imbalance of that shows that we have a lot to work on. We have a lot to do. Yeah, that's such a really, really, really good point. And, you know, you touched a little bit on, you know, the uh, the pipeline to prison, you know, and uh, the young ones get uh, a record. They can't vote. Uh, you know, they don't feel part of the part of the system. I mean, it's been a, a subtle attack for many, many years. But in the last uh, the last cycle before this president, it's, uh, you know, I saw a uh, a baseball cap. And it, what it said was make fr- racists afraid again. They've come out of the woodwork and feel, felt empowered by uh, by the past president, not Biden, but, you know, we don't like to say Trump on the show, but President Trump, you know, if he's running again and he's, uh, well, let me just say that. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to go on a roller, Judge. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But well, you have to also understand that racism has, you know, it has two parts to it. It has a theatrical part, which is, I think a lot of theatrics are what we're seeing, you know, people coming out, what you say, coming out the woodworks. But I also think it also has a private part. And private part is this idea that people of color are inferior to whites. And, you know, it goes all the way back to, you know, the Dred Scott decision when, you know, the Supreme Court embedded this idea that, you know, whites are superior and blacks are inferior. And that that subtly has continued throughout the course of our history, and it has embedded itself into the very DNA of those relationships that are not integrated in in communities and spaces together. So at least for me, I think when we have these conversations about what is race and what is racist, I say, you know, I tell people, be careful not to think that those who are theatrical are the ones who are the most damaging and not realize that the ones who keep private perspectives can be just as damaging as those as well. Wow, absolutely really good point. Uh you we got like a minute left before you you have to have to roll, but we got to do this again soon because uh 
you're uh, preaching to the choir, but I think what's really important to preaching to the choir, and I do say that as you being a minister too, is see how I put that in, you know, kind of. I do. I but, see. I like it. I like it. I yeah. Like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that we also need to be reminded and stay engaged. And I think that's what's really important about this show, about what you do, uh, and both as a judge and as a, a minister and a father. Uh, we, we need to stay engaged. Right. And I think that's part of what I would love to be engaged. I would love to come back and have a conversation about the Indian Child Welfare Act because that's, yeah. that's one of my core classes that principals I teach in my, in my law school course because I'm you know deeply committed to educating not only future lawyers, but my community, African-Americans, about the historical legacies of abuse that many of our indigenous uh, communities have suffered as well. And we need to be in solidarity with that as well as we educate ourselves about what racism really looks like. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and we got to let you go in a, just a couple seconds here. I just want to say last year, our state uh, House and uh, Senate passed the MMIWR Missing and Murdered Indigenous uh, Task Force here that's being funded by the government. And now this year, it's going to be uh, they're opening up, uh, voting on opening up another office uh, that's going to be supported by the government for our African-American uh, relatives, too. So we're trying to lead the way here in Minnesota and uh, work on good things in a good way. Yeah, and those for Wisconsin, make sure you go out and vote April 4th. Uh, you know, vote Janet for justice, all right? Thank you all so much, Robert. Thank you, Zoe. Yeah, we'll talk to you, to, to you soon. Thanks, Judge, for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll see you. Thank, Peeny Gigi again, thanks. All right, see you soon. All right, love you both. Bye-bye. <laughs> right wow, that was awesome, Zoe. Yeah, really, really, you know, important points he brought up. And also just like I can't get over how many different roles, you know, educator, judge, yeah. you know, preacher. Teaching, teaching too, yeah. It makes me feel kind of uh no, I'm doing a lot. <laughs> it's like, well, we're oh. all doing a lot, but that yeah. that was really incredible. Yeah. It's good to know yeah. what's going on in Wisconsin, too. As you said, you know, they are a sister state. You know, it's important to understand um, the issues that they're battling, too, because they're not that different than what we face in Minnesota, you know. Well, we all move move around, you know, like, you know, uh, Ho-Chunk uh, is uh, mostly our people are mostly in Wisconsin. So we have a lot of relatives there. And I know uh, a lot of your relatives are out in North and South Dakota, too, along with up north. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's it's also just, I think, as Midwesterners, you know, right. um, part of our role to understand what's going on in the states around us, you know, especially as like Minnesota, for one, continues to kind of become this almost like refuge state, especially when it comes to reproductive justice, you know, um, given all the, you know, legislature that's recently been passed in the South. So, yeah, um, yeah it's important We're to understand all that. Well, Zoe, we're in a couple uh, different twilight zones here with what's been going on with uh, reproductive rights. And I, I like to say it's women's rights, you know, um, and whose rights are going to be taken next. That's the thing that we have to keep the eye on the prize and, um, and see and how important these elections are, you know. People voted for the orange guy, and here we go. We've got the Supreme <laughs> Court. You know, undoing things that laws have been around for 50, 60, 40, 30 years. But I regress. We'll be back. Uh, Zoe and I will be uh, talking and we'll get Ogama on here soon. You're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. JNS Bean Factory is a native owned, community supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Your Blue Line Extension Project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line Light Rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, 
Crystal, and Brooklyn Park and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your blue line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. You're listening to AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. The Senior Linkage Line is a free statewide service of the Minnesota Board on Aging, helping older Minnesotans and caregivers find answers and connect to services and supports. Questions about Medicare, transportation, looking to move to senior housing, overwhelmed with prescription drug plans? Call the Senior Linkage Line at 800-333-2433 or visit trellisconnects.org where we help people optimize well-being as they age. That's trellisconnects.org. When we heal from our traumas. When we face our fears. Let go of our addictions. When we relearn our values. When we live our teachings. Respecting our elders. Cherishing and honoring our children. When we honor and take care of our spirit. There will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hey everyone, Ellie Krug here with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950 on Saturdays at 10 a.m. I am thrilled to let you know this coming Saturday on March 25th, we will have a special guest. The one and only, the incredible Tom Hartman will be my guest on this Saturday show, March 25th at 10 o'clock. I am thrilled to have him. Tune in. Tom Hartman will be my guest. We can't wait to hear from you, and you'll hear from me. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for cloudy skies tonight with a low around 25, Thursday partly cloudy with a high near 38, and Friday sunny with a high around 44. Grab a tray of Cafe Lattes Cafeteria and select from a wide variety of sandwiches, salads, and soups. The bakery features fresh-baked breads, cupcakes, and more, while the pizza and wine bar has gourmet pizzas that pair perfectly with their 30-plus wines by the glass. Located off Victorian Grand at St. Paul or at CafeLatte.com. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Right on. I was going to say, hey, Zoe, pick one. (laughs) Yeah. So, Zoe, uh, it was really interesting. Uh, There was a lot of uh, things that were interesting, but uh, it was awesome to hear the judge talk about ICWA because that's coming up really soon. And sometime in June, I heard that the Supreme Court will be voting on it. Um, So that's frightening and scary. Uh, Minnesota has tightened up their ICWA law uh, Mm -hmm. here which is good. But, you know, one of the things, Zoe, I think you know this, and I want to double check, but Minnesota <laughs> has the most uh, Native American children in um, in uh, uh, foster care. Have you mm. heard that? Um, I don't know if I've heard that exact statistic, but I could completely believe it, you know, um, especially given there's just been so many stories that have come out as of late of you know, um, the abuse that many of our Native children face in these foster homes, um, especially when they're not able to be with their family, you know, as ICWA is 
um, you know, is supposed to protect them in, you know, staying with their families. So, um, yeah, really, really important issue. And again, um, our children, you know, come first and they, and they should always come first. Um, but as we see on the federal level and, you know, sometimes on the state level, they not necessarily always the case. Yeah, you know, one of the most important things is our children and, you know, we, I feel like, you know, I'm 61 years old and I was adopted and I feel like my generation and probably my uh, mother's generation too lost a lot of, they got assimilated and lost a lot of the language, lost a lot of the ways. Um, and now I, th- I feel like there's a big uh, revitalization happening around uh, Native Americans. Of course, we've had our traditional people and, of course, a Native American church, too, uh, to keep these things going. But as a general rule, I think a lot of a lot of we've we've missed out on a couple generations. So it's been good to see the young ones like yourself. And when I was teaching in school, uh, high school, uh, people grasping on to their language and trying to get into, into things and learning more than any kind of opportunity I had as a young one, especially like in public schools or, uh, uh, but you know, our, our communities all over the place, Zoe. Right. Right. No, it is really important to acknowledge that our older generations, you know, went through a lot and now our youth, um, have benefited from the incredible work that, um, you know, our, predecessors have done for us to be able to practice our religion, to be able to speak our language. Um, And, you know, I just see it coming full circle again to, you know, I think about our prophecies too, Mm. Um, you know, that we are like what the seventh generation and we're just going to continue to come back to where we used to be, you know, might not look the same, might not feel the same, but um, you know, we're going to have so many more relatives in that with us, you know, um, especially our black relatives too, you know? So I think that's really great act of solidarity just to hear from judge Everett Mitchell today too. Yeah, it was really good. And one of the things were, were you at uh, standing rock? I know you were probably 15. I was, yeah, I was like, I was a teen in high school. And by the time I wanted to go or was able to go, my parents were like, eh, it's getting too crazy out there, you know? So well, <laughs> Ogum right. was nodding, well, we talk, I see. <laughs> we, talk, we talk about the seventh generation, but we also know uh, a lot of really good things have happened since Standing Rock, too. Um, the eighth fires went everywhere um, when Standing Rock ended, and, um, and that means a lot of different things to a lot of people. But I see it in we have TV shows now, a lot of books coming out, mainstreaming, mainstreaming television shows, uh, a movie like Prey um, that was all Native Americans uh, starring in that. Um, so there's been a push again, and it's almost uh, similar to the 90s. After Dancing with Kevin Costner came out, all of a sudden they saw that Native American movies were uh, bankable, and uh, mm-hmm. we had we had some really good movies in the 90s, and then we had a lull, and now it seems like we're back on the upswing. Right. Right. No, it's really exciting. And I just feel like it's, I'm just so grateful for our young ones to be able to finally see themselves on screen, you know, like, especially for in shows like Reservation Dogs, or, you know, like you said, Prey, like so many things are coming out right now. And we can also go beyond just showing our pain, we can also show our humor and our love for each other and have some deeper conversations within media because we have bigger platforms now, um, which are really incredible. It's funny, too, Native Americans, and Ogama has just joined us, too. Good to see Ogama. Um, uh, give each other a hard time. And if they're, not, if they're not joking with you and giving you a hard time, they don't like you. So it's kind of the opposite of uh, what you see maybe out in the white world, you know. Right. Yeah. No, it's always good to know that when someone's ripping on you, um, <laughs> it's it's more of an act of love than anything else. And right. um, I, it's always funny to bring, you know, your, your non-native relatives onto the res or in native spaces and have them kind of experience that and just, you know, just a part of the culture. And when you can join in, it it's it's always fun to, you know. 
Exactly. I take, I guess. Well, I, I don't know. I haven't felt that from you or Ogama. You guys haven't ripped <laughs> on me or anything. So now I'm kind of wondering if you guys like me or not. So I, I got to take that with me after the show and kind of think about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this takes more time for me. I'm always like, uh, you know, you got to see how far you can go with certain people when it comes to jokes. <laughs> There's always a line, well, right? <laughs> I'm very sensitive. I'm an emerging male of the new millennium and, uh, I'm very sensitive. I cry at uh, sad commercials. Ogamai, you're on mute. <laughs> she doesn't I'm want just, to I'm just in. imagining you crying to that Sarah McLaughlin song, um, oh. and I was, I was chuckling. That Arms of the Angels with the yeah. with the three legged dog, and it gets oh. me every time. It really does. That late night. Me too. Sad movies too, and the sad yeah. commercials. Really, yeah. You, you're sensitive too, Ogamai. That's right. Um, but you know, we part of that too is a good thing. We can always use your ass or your defect as an asset, and you have empathy for other people and can feel their pain and see see things that normal people can't. When you have that deep uh, empathy and deep emotion, yeah, I I like to consider myself an empath, but um, I'm 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 yeah. I like to call myself what they call a recovering empath, which means I'm I'm working to recognize the things that have made me. Um, maybe take responsibility for other people's emotions um, yeah. and working to establish some, some healthy boundaries with that. Um, and I like to think that, you know, most of the Native people I know and most of the allies I know, the good ones are, you know, working through their traumas and their past histories and, and working to make the world a better place through themselves. And I think that there's a lot of honor in that, even if it may make you, quote unquote, sensitive in the time Right. Well, owning it too. And I think as a male, it's always been different for me because I've always felt like um, kind of the opposite. And I don't know if this is a Dr. Phil uh, show or what, but um, I have uh, felt the opposite when I was younger. If I start crying, I'll never stop. So then you go to the other direction, you know, as being mad or angry or whatever hurt turns into or hurt turns into anger and all those things. But I always had that deep down thought um, that if I started crying in front of people, I wouldn't stop, which is kind of trippy if you think about it. It is a little, um, I'm one of those people, I cry when I'm angry. So if you see me crying, um, you don't always have to feel bad for me. It usually means I'm mad. <laughs> um, so so that's one thing. But I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. I cry when I'm mad. I always tell my daughter that water is medicine, which yeah. means tears are medicine. So don't be afraid of them. Um, they're there to help you. And um, sometimes that helps her and sometimes it doesn't. But, um, well, the you know, seeds it's something I have to remind well, myself of, too. The seeds planted, it will someday help her because of the things that you say to her in a good way. And Jay say to her and her dad says to her, say in a good way, that sticks with you. We got to remember that not only the bad things stick, but the good things stick too. Yes. Uh, what is that saying that you're seeing around? And I, I would credit the person if I knew who it was. But um, if if we carry our traumas, if trauma is genetic, then um, so is joy. Right. So we we leave just as much joy to our children as we do trauma. Exactly. Zoe, what do you what do you think there, young one? Oh, I think I've probably said it before, um, but I just always go back to that saying, too, of, like, be careful how you speak to children because, you know, that voice becomes the voice in their head. Um, and I've definitely found that true in my life. So really important to always be kind to everybody, um, but especially our little ones because they're just trying to make sense of the world, you know, and it's, it's a pretty crazy world to make sense of. Yeah, it really is. So, Ogama, do you, you got the news coming up uh, last segment here? Do you want to sure give us a, a minute preview? Like, <laughs> yeah, the preview, preview of the news. I'm going to be talking a little bit about Prayer Horse Ride 2023, which is a oh. memorial for Myron Dewey, uh, Dewey, among other things. And I'm also going to be talking about uh, the legislative bills, uh, about five of them actually, uh, that you can sign and contact your uh, sign petitions for, contact Governor Walls, contact your legislator um, to support, to uh, help prepare protect water in Minnesota from uh, mining in Minnesota. So we're going to talk about the, oh goodness, uh, 
the prove it first. We're going to talk about the right to repair. We're going to talk about the oh. DNR's conflict of interest to promote mining. Uh, we're going to yeah. talk about a few others too. So I've got those and their numbers and a great place where you can all uh, go and um, sign up to contact your legislator, legislator Before- about them. Before you came on, we were talking a little bit about Standing Rock and uh, as though if she'd went there. But the first person that I met that was kind of Standing Rock famous was Myron Dewey, and he was signing in press and giving yes. us press passes. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll talk a little bit more about him and uh, and his legacy in the next segment. So good to see you, Ogama, Zoe. Always good to see you. And we just had uh, Judge Everett Mitchell on to kick off the show. So really excited to round the, and end the show with uh, Ogama with the news you don't hear anywhere else. So we'll be right back after this short break. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. At Metro State University, students learn how to change the world their way through in-demand degree programs including healthcare, technology, cybersecurity, and business. Realize your power to change in a learning environment dedicated to equity, inclusion, and anti-racism. Explore 60-plus bachelor's degree programs at Metro State's open house events, online March 28th and in-person March 30th. Visit metrostate.edu slash open house for details. Metro State University, where learning meets living. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. Native American rights are on the ballot April 4th. Vote for Judge Janet Protasewicz. She values Wisconsin's tribes as sovereign nations and recognizes Native rights with fairness and integrity. Judge Janet understands the importance of issues such as missing and murdered Indigenous women, treaty rights, and hunting and gathering. We deserve someone that knows these things matter. In-person early voting begins March 21st. Check your municipality's early voting schedule at vote.wisdoms.org or call the Voter Protection Hotline at 608-336-3232. You can register to vote at the polls on Election Day with a photo ID and proof of residence. Your tribal ID can be used as a photo ID to vote. Stand up for your people. Vote for someone who will stand up for you and stand up for Native rights. Vote for Judge Janet Protasewicz for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Paid for by the Democratic Party of Wisconsin as an in-kind to Janet for Justice. Radio presents I'm Awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Hey, this is uh, uh, I want to introduce uh, Ogama and she uh, does our news here. And uh, this is the news where uh, you don't hear anywhere else with the news here with Ogama. Wow, what a long uh, sentence. Oh, like, uh, can we do that over? Oh, no, we're live. Hey, Ogama, welcome. Hey, Buju relatives. I'm Ogama Ganuakwe. My name means strong golden eagle woman, and I'm a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota, and we have some news for you here on Native Roots Radio. The first thing I want to do is a little bit of a preview for guests we're going to have on tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have guests from the Prayer Horse Ride 2023, which is a ride about community, healing, strength, awareness, prayer, and unity. It is in honor and remembrance of the late Myron Dewey to bring awareness to protect Pihi Maha, also known as Thacker Pass, from lithium mining, to bring awareness to our missing and murdered indigenous women and persons, to bring awareness to protect all sacred places, 
to protect indigenous religious freedoms and to bring awareness about the bombing range expansion at NAS Fallon. Uh, we're going to have uh, the brother of Myron Dewey on as well as another organizer of the ride and possibly uh, one more guest as well as the uh, wonderful uh journalist River Ackman, who's going to be joining us with some live drone footage of the ride. Um, I do believe they are somewhere in uh, Nixon, and I think that's in Nevada, but it might be in Montana. Um, I don't have a GPS signal on them, but they'll let us know where they are tomorrow. I'm really excited to talk about um, all the reasons that they're doing this ride um, and to uh, touch base about um the memory of Myron Dewey, who is somebody that I always knew of, but I never got the pleasure to meet uh, before he left us for the other world. So I'm excited to learn more about his legacy as well as talk to people about how to protect Thacker Pass or Pihi Maha and, um, you know, all of those things that we talk about here on Native Roots Radio um, all the time. So excited for that tomorrow. Um, I want to touch base here from Indian Country today. Um, Inupiaq musher Ryan Reddington won this year's Iditarod. And the top American men's finisher in the 2023 LA Marathon was Hopi. And, uh, you know, that is so exciting to see Indigenous people uh, taking the top in things and, you know, getting that recognition for it. Um, I think that that's equally as important, like Zoe said earlier in the show, um, for our Indigenous youth being able to see ourselves displayed in media and um, our stories live on the big screen. It's equally as important to have those people to look up to, those healthy role models. Um, yesterday was the international panel, excuse me, two days ago was the International Panel on Climate Change, and they released the final installment of their sixth report. It was pretty grim, uh, very stark findings about burning fossil fuels threatening the stability for the life of most of Earth, um, and that our chance to avoid these impacts is vanishing quickly. And there were nearly 100 cities yesterday uh, that took to the streets to stop dirty banks on a day of action. So uh, they were outside in front of uh, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup as they hosted their annual general meetings uh, five weeks from today. Uh, they were up front cutting up their credit cards and debit cards and pulling their money out to divest from those banks. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful to see uh, people taking action to protect uh, water, to protect land, uh, to protect um, each other. Public pensions are some of the largest investors in Wall Street banks, which kind of gives them huge leverage over whether or not banks stop financing fuel, fossil fuels. Um, California has state pension funds of about $5.4 billion worth of shares in four of the largest U.S. banks. The New York Teachers Pension has $2.4 billion, and even Washington has uh, $2, $2 billion invested in some of the world's largest funders of fossil fuels. So that is a sneaky way... Uh, that these banks are being funded uh, through your pension. So if that's something you haven't taken the time to examine, it's uh, worth calling up and seeing uh, where you can um, make sure to divest from, even if it's not just your personal money, making sure that your uh, retirement is not funding uh, the destruction of the planet is important. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about here locally in Minnesota are some options for people to... Um, take action. And uh, one of the biggest ways that people can take action is to contact our legislators and talk to them about things that are important to you. One of the most important ones is going to be the Prove It First bill, which is House File 1618 here in Minnesota. Prove It First is legislation that would require mining companies and other environmental polluters uh, to prove that before a copper sulfide mine could be permitted, that they must show independent scientific proof that a copper sulfide mine has operated elsewhere within the United States for at least 10 years without causing pollution and has been closed for at least 10 years without closing pollution. 10 years seems like an excessive amount of time uh, on both ends of that, but in fact, it's not. And in many cases, uh, many of these mega projects are, um, you know, they're given uh, a wide berth of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years to stay in operation. Other great ones that you can sign up to help with include the Taxpayer Protection Act, which is uh, Senate file SF1818, House file HF1961, 
one. And that one is the uh, Taxpayer Protection Act basically requires that these companies, uh, copper sulfide mining and otherwise, who have a terrible history of pollution um, and, you know, really bad track records for cleanup in an environmental disaster, um, would mean that those companies have to fully fund any financial assurance packages up front and in cash. Similar to your pension funds uh, funding the climate crisis, it's really common for these companies that come in to not have to actually have any sort of financial assurance to clean up any damages they might do until 8 to 11 years into the project. And up until that point, and even after that point, many of them are um, kind of those invisible monies that these companies can come up with their IOUs. Um, And in that time, there's, um, you know, woefully inadequate insurance here in Minnesota uh, for our communities to be able to clean up for that. So um, the next one I want to talk about is the bad actor bill. Uh, which again relates to twin metals and the copper sulfide mining industry here in Minnesota. And um, it is about Glencore, who's the proposed owner of the, or excuse me, the owner of the proposed PolyMet mine. And it's named one of the worst companies for work for steelworkers in the United States. They have a history of pollution, corruption, and human rights violations, including child labor. Uh, So this uh, bad actor bill uh, would be a way for you to take action and stand up against the uh, awful policies that Glencore has, um, as well as um, working to protect protect Minnesota's land and water. Um, And there's also uh, options to sign up to remove the DNR conflict of interest to promote mining. Um, Minnesota does not actually have a strict environmental review system that prevents pollution of the state's clean water. And one of the most glaring instances of this problem is the Minnesota DNR, the Department of Natural Resources. both has an obligation to protect Minnesota's natural resources and an obligation to promote mining. So there's a conflict of interest there and uh, there is legislation uh, and information that you can do as well. So one of the best places you can go to get information about all of these and who I want to credit for much of the information I've got on this is Friends of the Boundary Waters at friends-bwca.org. That's friends of the Boundary Waters Canoe Area.org. And they have a Get Involved tab, and it links all of this information here, including the Minnesota Clean Water Plan, uh, which has an appropriation for the U of M Water Council to develop a science based plan to protect Minnesota the next 50 years, as well as the right to repair, which is the demand for um, electric vehicles. So lots of ways to get involved and to take action uh, by contacting your legislature and Friends of the Boundary Waters makes it easy. Hey, thanks for the update, Ogma. I also want to give a quick peenie-geeky to to Zoe, Judge Everett Mitchell today, and uh, all our listening audience all over Turtle Island. If you are listening to the show, you are part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops, the ground in which we stand on is sacred ground is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office. Free Leonard Peltier now.